Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, January 26, 2022. Got lots of Spider-Man-related news this week, especially as Hollywood starts to head into award season. And speaking of news, the news portion of this week's edition of Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Before we get started here, Aaron, you wanted to talk about it's been an interesting week when you look at Wall Street, and you wanted to talk about the impact this is potentially having on the exhibitors around the country, uh, correct? in particular one theater chain. Yeah, well, I mean, we always champion like when Spider-Man comes charging through the box office making huge money and we're like, oh, the theaters are saved. But Mm -hmm. maybe not because AMC has been going through this really tumultuous time over the last year. And it's rather number heavy, but I'm going to try and keep it as simple as humanly possible. But Mm -hmm. October 14th of 2020, AMC stock was Two bucks, 79 cents per share. That is just cheap, cheap stock. Mm-hmm. June 2nd, it hit 72.62. That's 26 times the amount. So if you would have purchased 100 shares at 279, that'd cost you $279. Mm-hmm. But it would make you $7,262. That's a, that's a massive return. Mm-hmm. So the movie, The Big Short, was really great at explaining the shorting process of the housing market. And how that whole financial disaster unfolded. And uh, fortunately, I guess a lot of people saw that movie. So when they found out that large companies were trying to short AMC stocks, Mm -hmm. the general public, armed only with the knowledge that they've seen from a feature film, Jim, (laughs) went out and bought AMC shares by the thousands. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for people that don't know what a short is, here's the quick of it. I go to my friend, Jeff. I say, hey, Jeff, can I please have 100 shares of AMC stock, please? And they're currently trading at $10 a piece. So that's a $1,000 worth of stock. I, I borrow it. I don't pay for it. I borrow it. And then I go sell it immediately. And I get $1,000. Hooray me. And then I wait, hoping, praying that the stock falls in price. And I go back and let's say it falls down to $5. So I go back and buy it at $5. And I pay only $500 for it. And I get all that stock back. And I go back to my friend, Jeff, and go, here's your your 100 shares back. Thanks for the loan. And I've made $500 in the process of that, right? Mm -hmm. So that's how a short works. Well, you know, the general public, armed only with movie knowledge, went out and bought as many shares as they could of AMC. So when the short started at this $2 price rate and the public just started buying it like mad, well, the stock market really hadn't seen anything like that before. So that's how the price jumps up to... $72 and change. Now what's happening is you've got all these people that are, they put their entire life savings into it. Like they put in 30 grand and like, they've got up to like almost three quarters of a million dollars off that $30,000 investment, Jim. Wow. Okay. That's nuts. But here's the rub. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stock market giveth the stock market taketh away. They didn't sell. They thought they were going to go to the moon. That's what they say. Mm -hmm. We're going to the moon on AMC stock. And uh, it didn't happen. And stocks today are at 15 bucks a share. Mm. 
So all that money is is falling away. Now, now here's the thing. If you're one of those companies that, that bet against AMC, this is how bad it was for them. They mm-hmm. bought shares by the millions, right? So at two mm-hmm. and a half bucks a pop, a million shares, that's two and a half million dollars. No sweat off of the nose of a financial institution on Wall Street, right? Mm-hmm. That's chump money. But when they bet wrong and it costs them like $76 million to pay back that loan, that's what they're waiting on. They had to, they're waiting for the stock. It goes all the way up to $76 a share. And they're just like, what did we do? Oh my God, what did we do? So now the, the stocks are coming back down, not quite back to two and a half dollars. Like it was October of 2020, mm-hmm. but this has been a roller coaster ride for individuals who bet their life savings. And they were like, Oh, I'm almost a millionaire. And then they don't sell. And then the the stocks fall again. Now, here's the crazy part, Jim, and you're going to start thinking I'm making stuff up, right? Mm-hmm. The CEO of AMC, I'll give you a million guesses as to his name, and you'll never get it, so I'll just tell you right now, his name is Adam Aaron. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Recently sold $7.1 million worth of stock uh, since fall. That brings his total up to $40 million in AMC stock that he sold because he was getting it all at $2 and 50 cents a, a pop when he was, you know, running as CEO and then the public inflates it for him. Mm-hmm. You, you think you're not going to sell that? Oh my God. Sell it so fast, right? Sell it so fast, but he doesn't want the public to think that he's bailing out on him. He puts out a statement that says, I still own or plan to vest in 2,302,760 AMC shares. I am in. So he doesn't want to panic anybody, but he does want to make forty million really, really quick. Well, and that's okay. That's that's the game. Don't hate the player. Hate the game, right? No, no that is true. And and this has been an interesting holiday season. And in, in fact, just today, I don't know if you saw, they posted box office numbers for Venom: Let There Be Carnage. And remember, we talked about mm. how two weeks ago it went back into theaters. It actually just bested the box office numbers for the original Venom. So that bet paid off. Now, mind you, that's only for the domestic box office. Overseas, again, did about half the business, but a lot of that, that's COVID-related. Meanwhile, stateside here, uh, just this past weekend, after one weekend of stepping into the second position to allow that Scream reboot to be number one at the box office in North America, Spider-Man No Way Home is back on top. We won't go down this road again, not for a couple of weeks, but what's been interesting is the very thing you and I were talking about a show or two ago, Aaron, about whether or not Spider-Man No Way Home will catch James Cameron's avatar. The mainstream media has picked up on it now, and now they're all excited about this. Just sort of like, oh, there's only 37 million separating the two. And it it would seem that we're three weeks out from that happening. But for me, what's actually more interesting about what Spider-Man No Way Home's protracted run at the top of the box office, did you see the corona effect that this, uh, along with Hawkeye, caused for Daredevil over on Netflix? I'm sorry. The only Corona effect I'm aware of is uh, a slight, a little wedge of lime and you shove it down the neck of the long neck bottle. Uh, that's the only Corona well, thing I, I work I, with there. I, I wonder if Charlie Cox broke out a, a, a six pack of <laughs> Corona because for the week of December 20th through the 26th, 
Daredevil, which again got canceled. Three oh, it got a spike in viewership. I did the same damn thing, Jim. I ended up going back and started rewatching it as well. Well, okay. Then. I'm part of the Corona effect, and I did it while drinking it with a lime in the bottle. There you go. <laughs> but but the thing is that, that for that week, 195 million minutes worth of Daredevil, and there's the 39 episodes, mm-hmm. uh, people sur- circle back on the show. And, and the interesting thing is if you work the timing, Spider-Man No Way Home debuted in theaters on December 17th, and then the final episode of Hawkeye, the one-two punch there made people go, ooh, I want to spend more time with these characters. So they, they went back over to Netflix to check them out. The question now is, okay, you look at something like that, and you look at the continuing strong box office for Spider-Man No Way Home. And so the folks at Sony and Columbia Pictures right now literally are waiting to see what happens tomorrow. And when I say tomorrow, I'm talking about Thursday, January 27th, because that's the day that the Directors Guild of America, the Producers Guild of America, the Writers Guild of America, and the American Cinema Editors Association, they all announce their nominees for their awards. And if Spider-Man No Way Home does well with all of these guild-based awards, Supposedly, Sony and Columbia Pictures, that's when the money spigot gets turned on and they're going to go full court press. Well, I mean, that explains why I've just started seeing two days ago on Twitter, Mm -hmm. uh, Sony started releasing the high quality 4K images of the three Spider-Men. There you go. uh, There you go. Next to one another. They're just like, oh, it's it's been out long enough. Everybody knows. So here's a glorious shot of our three heroes in action. Here's a picture of the three of them hugging, mm-hmm. tears in their face, just as they would look as if they were accepting an award. <laughs> tears of gratitude streaming down their beautiful cherub cheeks. Oh, what a beautiful sight. Now, speaking of which, though, what you do when you're launching a campaign like this is you make everybody available to talk to the press. And you were just mentioning that you came across an interview with John Watts, the director of the last three Spider-Man movies, interview he did with Variety. And and do you want to talk about the, the stories he shared there? Well, this is something that I didn't expect mm-hmm. was that he had a theme going through the three movies that I never picked up on. And the reason why it's very personal. Really? He says, yeah, he says, I've always taken my greatest fear and made that central to the thematics of the films. Homecoming is about a kid who gets a huge opportunity and is so afraid he'll miss his chance that he creates a disaster. That was my fear. What if I screw this whole thing up? Mm -hmm. Far From Home is about being afraid to make a second movie and screwing things up. Peter Parker's given a mission and he doesn't want to take a risk. That's that movie. And then... No Way Home is about trying to finish this origin story and the responsibility that comes with this. And Peter Parker and Spider-Man mean so much to people that I felt that responsibility. So his movies, I guess, are fueled by his own internal fear. I guess that's what a good artist usually does is their (laughs) fear fuels them forward. Um, But it also... Means that I was right, that uh, Spider-Man No Way Home mm-hmm. was the origin movie, the uh, one where he becomes truly Spider-Man, because he said so in his own words, that that was the origin story. 
you know, I'm going to have to go back and read the screenplay, which, by the way, is now available. All 181 pages of Chris McKenna and Eric Summers' screenplay became available on Deadline.com just a day or so ago. Again, part of this big awards push. And when you read the script and you finally get to the moment that Andrew Garfield's uh, Spider-Man enters the story, the way they identify, they you know, realize, okay, you know, can't have Peter Parker 1, Peter Parker 2, Peter Parker 3. What they do is Andrew Garfield's version of Peter Parker is just noted as the Webverse Spider-Man, as in Mark Webb, who directed the right. two Amazing Spider-Man movies. And then when Tobey Maguire's character comes through the portal, he's identified as the Rami version of Spider-Man. Well, I mean, it keeps it crystal clear as to who you're who you're talking to, what's going on. Did you happen to see that there was uh, some art released about Mysterio fighting Doctor Strange at the Statue yes, of Liberty? Yes, and this is a version of the Statue of Liberty with no scaffolding, and correct me if I'm wrong, no shield either. So it's got to be fairly early on before that idea got inserted. In fact, that's my one concern about. The screenplay is it seems to be the script of the finished film rather than the work in progress. And I, I'd kill. Uh, yeah. Kill. You want the original. I want to see where we started. There you go. There we go. Yeah. Oh, speaking of started, uh, Andrew Garfield is still out there, still making the rounds, doing interviews. He was just talking with Ellen DeGeneres and he mentioned that when he learned two years ago, so January of 2020, uh, when Sony and Marvel reached out and, and clued him in that this was in the works, the only people he told about this was his mother, his father, and his brother. And then what was interesting is as soon as Andrew committed, he then turned around and hired a personal trainer because he was determined to fit into his old Spider-Man outfit from the Amazing Spider-Man movie of 2014. Like my mother trying to get into her old wedding dress on their 40th <laughs> anniversary <laughs> Margaret, you could still just charm the claws off a grizzly bear, I tell you what. <laughs> yeah, that's so much better than, than what but, but uh, Garfield shared with the Happy Confused podcast. He said, I had to get in shape. I had to work out with my trainer. I was very nervous about it. I was like, nobody wants to see an old, fat guy in a Spider-Man costume. Although it was pretty funny in, in, in Into the Spider-Verse, because, mm -hmm. you know, the sweatpants and whatnot. Yep. They really actually should have leaned into that with one of those characters. Probably Toby's version should have been the sweatpants version, right? The oldest of them all. Now, it's so interesting you say that, because even Sam Raimi is out there talking about No Way Home. By the way, he's also talking about Doctor Strange and in the Multiverse of Madness. But the one person who's missing from all of this is Toby McGuire. And I wonder, is he who they're going to march out if they get serious about the award season chase, because, I mean, Andrew's everywhere. But, of course, Andrew's got his other film, Tick, Tick, Boom. Toby took all of his money and he went to the poker room. <laughs> Maybe that is the case. Um, okay, we were just talking about Sam Raimi. Well, Sam was out there talking about his work at the MCU. And first he was asked, well, what did he think of Spider-Man No Way Home? And he said, it was so much fun. I, I love No Way Home. And the audience I was with went crazy. It was delightful to see Alfred play his role and William Defoe just, just seeing these guys take it to the next level. And, and Toby was awesome as always. 
the best word I can say is it was refreshing for me. Now, mind you, this is a guy who who needed to be entertained because remember, he's been in the middle of those reshoots of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness that have been going on since November. And as part of this Variety interview, he got asked, well, are you done? And this is a very unshow business answer. Sam, you know, when asked, are you done? He said, I wish I knew the answer to that question. I think we're done, but we just cut everything. We're just starting to test the picture and we'll find out if there's anything that's got to be picked up. If if something's unclear or another improvement I can make in the short amount of time left, I'll do it. One thing about the Marvel team is they won't stop. They'll keep pushing until it's as close to being great as it could be. Yeah. I mean, if, if the movie's not out for, you know, another four or five months or whatever, they're not done for another four or five months. They're not done until it's on a screen playing in your eyeballs. That's when it's done. Well, you know, but but that makes me think of, you know, the famous story of the premiere of the original Avengers mm. at the El Capitan and... The movie ended, and I, I, it was Kevin went to Joss, and it was just literally one of these things where it's like, I think we need one thing more. And it's like, well, what do we need? It's like, they talked about shawarma. We never saw the meeting of the shawarma. And, you know, so in, in the week between the movie premiering at the El Cap to actually going out into theaters, they pulled the cast together and as i understand it that's one of the reasons why chris evans has his back to the camera because he already has a beard well he's got his arm up and he's like propped up on his chin hiding the side of his face there we go but but it's because he's got a beard for another role at that moment yeah but yeah they shot that scene in between the premiere and when again it was on reels and in thousands of theaters around the country so you know for uh, sam raimi he should when he was talking about uh, Spider-Man and No Way Home, mm-hmm. I want to see this imaginary clip of uh, like that that doesn't it doesn't happen in the real world, but in my mind it exists, mm-hmm. where uh, Kevin Feige and Sam Raimi are sitting in a in a theater mm-hmm. uh, during a premiere, and everyone gasps when Tobey Maguire comes out, and Doc Ock's there, and the Green Goblin, and people are cheering and just raving about how great it is to have these characters back. And Sam Raimi just kind of looks at Kevin Feige and he's like, oh, you're really lucky that uh, you found some, a a movie with characters that were so lovable that, that you could pull from. Aren't you lucky to have that? Don't you think Kevin to have something with such rich, deep history that people love so much that even 20 years later, they're cheering like idiots you know, just like kind of hanged it over his head, like, now when am I going to be done with Doctor Strange? Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Though uh, you know, and it, again, he he goes on to talk about singing the praises of Kevin Feige. That Marvel's been a great team to work with. I think that's not a surprising surprise. I've I've been super supported by the whole Marvel operation, starting with the top with Kevin Feige and then working all the way down to the crew what they work with. Super f- professional and have supported me every step of the way. I bring this up because that super professional crew right now has kind of a tough problem they're facing. I, I don't know if you saw last week uh, what happened to uh, Gaspard he died in a skiing accident, right? Yeah. 37-year-old actor. He plays the role of Midnight Man in Moon Knight, which is supposed to debut on Disney Plus on March 30th. And 
the challenge right now is you, you want to launch this six part limited series with all the hoopla, but at the same time with respect to his family and what they're going through right now. And I was talking with somebody at Marvel about this and they're, they're really torn. They, at the very least, they're doing a title card, you know, in the credits of the, you know, uh, the episode where uh, Midnight Man, the, the character that Gaspard plays, enters the show. Mm -hmm. right. But at the same time, they feel like we need to do something of size. He was a sweet guy who, you know, was was really, it was finally really starting to happen for him. And everyone was really excited about what he was doing in this series. So they're working on the Marvel Studios assembled the making of show that typically supports each of these limited series. Oh, uh, before I forget, we actually finally have a date for when the Hawkeye one is going to debut. Some reason it was originally supposed to debut last week on, on January 19th, but now it has a new premiere date. That's February 9th. But anyway, back to uh, Moon Knight. What they're, they're, they're doing now is they're going through all of the behind-the-scenes footage and seeing how much stuff they've got of Gaspard, and they feel like that may be the place that they'll do something of size to pay tribute to him, sort mm -hmm. of set, cut something together, and that'll be part of the our Marvel Studios assembled for Moon Knight, which I'm told we make Macy in April. So we can look forward to that when, when, you know, the making of Moon Knight finally shows up. And speaking of stuff we're looking forward to, on the second half of today's show, we'll take a look at Marvel's Secret Invasion, which has just begun shooting in the UK. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wait a minute. What do you mean it just started shooting? I thought it's been shooting. For real? I guess what we're saying here is the paparazzi images have finally begun to leak. That, yes, they have been shooting around the globe. In fact, there's been some work done in Atlanta. This portion, which is being shot in the UK in the city of Leeds, just in the past week, we've had photos surface of Amelia Clark. She's playing a mystery character. Likewise, Samuel Jackson, there's been a lot of talk about the fact that the Nick Fury that's wandering around Leeds right now 
doesn't look a lot like Nick Fury. There's no eye patch. There's no leather jacket. That's his undercover look. You know, normally they put on a baseball hat and sunglasses and turn their collar up. Mm. Uh, Nick takes off his eye patch and uh, takes his leather jacket off and people are like, well, who's that? Kind of like when Clark Kent takes off his glasses and they're like, oh, where'd Clark Kent go? And how'd Superman get here so fast? <laughs> Same thing with Nick Fury. His well, eye patch, he just takes it off. Go. They're like, where'd Nick go? What folks at Marvel Studios are telling me, this is going to be the biggest limited series they've done to date. I mean, still six episodes, but going to very, very much feel like a, a Marvel's an MCU movie. Why six episodes, Jim? My wife and I were watching something not that long ago from many years ago, and it was like 32 episodes for season one. And we were like, why, why are we only getting six nowadays and treating it like it's the most luscious favor ever this is a conversation you're going to have to have with somebody at netflix because that's not netflix that's uh, disney plus i but you have to understand that netflix is the one who invented this world of subscription streaming and really dug down into what people's viewing habits are and, you know, how much is too much or more to the point, the old show business adage of always leave them wanting more. Oh, okay. Everything that they're telling me about Secret Innovation is it's a, it's a world-spanning adventure. There's even been some talk of possibly folding in a few folks that we know and love from ABC's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I'm hoping... That's our buddy Clark Gregg, you know, the agent Colson. Didn't he re- get retired with, uh, with May to Tahiti? You have to understand this is the post No Way Home MCU. And the lesson that evidently everybody at Marvel Studios has learned on the heels of the enormous success of that film is just, you know, never say no to a cameo. If you can get somebody back in who will make people go, oh, that's what you shoot for. And supposedly the one-two punch of the way people reacted to William Defoe and Alfred Molina, and that can't be possible, but maybe it is list of cameos. Well, in that case, cue the return of Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark in three, two, one. Yeah. Stunt casting, stunt casting. Rah, rah, rah. You know, uh, uh, speaking of Iron Man, though, just earlier this week, we got our first promotional image for the Avengers Campus that will be opening this summer at Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris. And we got to see the coloration of the redo of the rock and roller coaster uh, for that park that will become the new Iron Man coaster. And what a surprise, it's gold and red. We also got to see all sorts of Artwork uh, associated with that park's version of Web Slingers, the uh, the Spider-Man adventure. And mm-hmm. we also get to see the characters that will be debuting when that park opens as walk-arounds. Uh, not a surprise that Doctor Strange is in there. Likewise, Captain Marvel, Black Panther. Looking at the films that Marvel will be releasing over the next six to eight months, not really surprised to see who shows up there. On the other hand, did you get to see the photos? In fact, they had an updated set of them just today of the Nova Core Star Blaster that's under construction out in front of the Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind at Epcot. No, I, I did not. 
Novacore Star Blaster. If you Google that and Epcot, there have been some Disney vloggers and bloggers who have been standing in the rain and cold getting all sorts of uh, pictures of it as this 51-foot-tall spacecraft is assembled out in front of the show building. That's got to be a spectacle, almost not quite Millennium Falcon, because it doesn't have that iconic, you know, not people are as, are as familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, but the fans, the real fans that do know what it is when they see it, and they'll be like, oh, oh my God, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, cool. And a couple other things have, have leaked out, you know, as Disney has been hyping this. Cosmic Rewind will be the first Disney coaster that has a reverse launch. I mean, you will go out of the station backwards, but again, these are the these storytelling coasters that the ride vehicle, the thing you're seating in, can spin 360 degrees. So as soon as you're out of the tunnel, they'll, they'll get you in the right direction. One of the longest enclosed coasters in the world, and it will be opening this summer. Working on getting us a date. Mr. Testa is, is, is beating the bushes. Why doesn't he like foliage? What's wrong with foliage? <laughs> Does he just hate green things? What's up with that? That's not very nice. We'll, we'll, we'll have to ask him about that. Okay. Um, also, looking ahead, just today, uh, the Disney Cruise Line announced a new series of Marvel Day at Sea Voyages for the Disney Dream, which will be starting in early 2023. These, um, Aaron, were started back in October of 2017, in fact, they started out of New York City, which, when you think about how many Marvel characters call Manhattan home, you know, that made sense. But they've since settled into a routine where, starting in January of each year, sailing out of Miami, the dream does Marvel Days at Sea. And the only time they got tripped up were the set that launched in Typically, what they'll do is nine weeks of sailings uh, with these these five uh, five night cruises, and they'll run from January into March. And of course, in 2020, uh, the cruise line actually shut down in early March, on uh, March 13th, 2020, to be exact. But they were so ridiculously popular that when the cruise line came back in August of that same year, one of the things that the first things they announced was that. June 9th of 2021, they would do, they'd start nine five-night Caribbean and Bohemian cruises, leaving out of Miami. The set for 2020 started earlier this month on January 8th. And again, nine cruises. Talking with the folks on the Disney cruise lines, they really pride themselves on the fact that people will come back. The Disney Cruise Lines now have such a dedicated group of folks, they'll think of an individual boat as their home boat. And so you've got people who are coming back to travel on the dream. And so the thinking is, well, we can't give them the same Marvel characters. And given what's going on with the limited series, for example, we have Hawkeye. But if Hawkeye's on the boat, you know, at this point, aren't people going to expect Kate Bishop? With Hawkeye on the boat. Uh, likewise, you know, Loki has always been the villain. <laughs> the, the, the Marvel Day at Sea always ends with the largest assemblage of Marvel characters ever on, on the top deck where they do this amazing stunt filled show. But Loki has always been the villain. But now with the Loki limited series, <laughs> you know, the belief is that 
people are not going to look at Loki and think of him as a sympathetic character. So it's like, okay, so who's our new villain? Well, it seems like they've got a plethora to choose from coming up in the very near future. This is very true. This is very true. But it's just, it's the whole notion of sort of reflecting what we saw coming out of the Avengers campus at Disney California Adventure. You know, the, the fact that, you know, for example, with each individual episode of Loki, you know, or for that matter, you know, how Agatha Harkness turned up on the heels of WandaVision. Uh, mm. It's sort of the notion of what are people going to expect? I guess this is a polite way of saying there's about to be some surveys out there. And if you are a, somebody who goes on the Disney cruise a lot, uh, you may get one of these. So if Aaron and I ask nicely, uh, if you hear anything about finessing the Marvel Days at Seas, folks, if you would like to share it, uh, we'd love to to pass that info along on a, a future episode of Marvelous Disney. You know, considering how many uh, cabins you've sold for the, the Disney Wish and the Disney Dish show, I, mm-hmm. I've kind of figured that Disney would have hired you and Len to do like a summer tour uh, <laughs> on one of the boats. By now, you know I, I you know, the, the, <laughs> I, I have to admit I, I'm still kind of startled at the number of, of cabins that that uh, Tammy and the nice folks at Storybook Destination have sold for this event. We're going to be performing to our largest group of folks ever, and my concern is we say the wrong thing, and suddenly Len and I are shoved into a lifeboat in the <laughs> under the cover of darkness, and it's. Oh, it happens all the time, Jim. You hear you hear the stories on uh, Dateline. Uh, Dateline, 2021, Massachusetts podcaster goes missing. What went wrong? What did he say? And who did he say it to? We'll find out over the course of the next hour. Stay tuned. Oh, that sounds so much more entertaining than anything we did here today. All right. Well, speaking of which, though, just this past week, because. We had some tech issues on Disney Dish, and I want to say Marvelous Disney that we didn't catch till after the fact. And poor Aaron was out there tap dancing and and covering for me, but in a very entertaining way. But you'd only have seen that if you were following Aaron on Twitter. And how can folks find you on Twitter, Aaron? I, you know what? Right now, I don't. I don't want any more followers. I'll follow you. Is what's going to happen. And if I follow you, then you can follow me back, and we can be mutes, mutes, moots, moots, mutuals. That's how they say mutuals now. It'll be mutual they? followers. They say moots, moots. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so we can be moots. I want to be moots with people. So I'll follow you first, and then you can follow me back. But if you follow me first, I get paranoid and I run away. So anyway, at uh, Twitter at Azaprod. By the way, mm-hmm. if you hurry. And follow me now. I've got a, a poll up that you can participate in. Only one of these can be banished from the MCU forever. The other one must be accepted as canon. Do you choose to banish either Netflix's Iron Fist or ABC's The Inhumans? Oh. Right now, the Inhumans are looking to be banished with an 80% lead versus a a 20% against Iron Fist. So if you want to change those numbers, go go to my Twitter and check it out. Can we save the dog from the Inhumans? Nope. Nope. They all got to go. All of them got to go. It's got to be erased from history forever. No exceptions. Hey, you think that's cruel, Jim? Wait till next week. Because I'm going to be doing One Must Go, Kate Bishop or Yelena Belova. 
Oh my God, it's going to cause such a riot. Oof. Okay. Well, again, that's Aaron on Twitter. On the other hand, if you want relatively not controversial Twitter, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and on Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. And if you really, really, really like what you've been listening to, uh, if you want to head out of Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be helpful. But for now, really, choosing between Yelena or Kate? Hard decisions have to be made sometimes, and I'm not willing to make them. That's why I leave it up to the listeners, because they're more educated than I am. Some of them are rocket scientists. Did you know, by the way, I, we're going we're gonna to hash this out right now because uh, I, was, I was amazed. Hold mm. on here. It was from Christy Konacki. Mm -hmm. She told me, if both distance and time are measured in Zendaya's, then speed would be unitless. That's a little, that's a little science factoid right there that will just blow your mind wide open. So uh, anyway, I, I asked her if uh, Einstein's theory of relativity could make a difference. Like if you had a relative of Zendaya to substitute one of the measurements for Zendaya's in length multiplied by the square root of Zendaya's cousin gives you one ant's worth of circumference. But uh, she replied 10 to the power of Zendaya. And I believe that is one of those theoretical numbers we learned about in math class, because as we all know, the power of Zendaya is limitless. Okay. We're, we're, we're going to, to check to see what adult beverage Aaron is consuming now. <laughs> but, but, but for now, thank you for listening folks. And we will be back with a brand new Marvelous Disney next week. Till then, thanks for listening.